The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Oh, good morning. As Dave said, I am Brian. Uh, it's my pleasure to uh, yeah, lead us in a uh, section here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, one of the things that we have here at Neighborhood Church is a, uh, we call discipleship groups. It's a time where we get um, people together to you know, disciple each other, where you know, one person typically leads a, a Bible study or a, just a moment of time where we can spend time together and um, just encourage each other, build each other up, and sometimes offer correction if we see things in their lives that aren't going as well as we would like to, or if they're not following you know, Jesus as, as uh, they should. Um, back in the day of Paul, that wasn't quite as much of a thing, or at least it wasn't as easy, especially if you know, like Paul moves on. So what we're seeing in 1 Corinthians is kind of the old school, long distance discipleship group um, we see uh, one of the things that kind of blew my mind was that you know, when we're looking at First Corinthians, it's not actually the first letter written to the first or to the Corinthian church. Um, we see in chapter five that there was mul- another letter, at least one, written to the first the Corinthians. Um, they wrote back, he wrote back, and then you know they just have this exchange going back and forth. And what we see in the, the book of First Corinthians is that Paul offers some correction to the local church, but then he also spends some time answering their questions that they had. They're like, okay, we, we, we hear what you're saying. What about this or what about that? So, um, so far we've seen him answer a question about um, marriage, and then they also had a question about whether it's okay to eat meat offered to idols. Uh, today we're going to see a slightly different question. So um, I think let's just dive in, uh, reading First Corinthians chapter 12, and kind of see what their questions is. Now, we never actually see the actual question, but we see his response to the question. So First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gifts each person should have. There's a lot there. Um, I forgot to do the caveat. I, I'm actually reading from the New Living Translation. A lot of the Bibles in the um, 
the uh, congregation here are in the English Standard Version. Is, um, I like the English Standard Version, but for my brain, the New Living Translation just like clicks a little bit better, so that's what I've been reading lately. Um, I think that's what I've got on the screens. So if you're reading in the, the books in the, uh, the, the you know, congregation here, it's going to read a little differently. It's the same thing, just using slightly different words, so I, I apologize if that throws you off. But my version's up there. Or my version, the New Living Translation version's up there. The version I'm reading is up there. Let's put it there. All right. So, like I said, there's a lot to this chapter. Um, I'm going to take kind of a step back a little bit, um, and there are there's kind of two things that I want to share with you today that I want you to know about who I am. And the first thing is that I enjoy doing puzzles. I know it's not quite the the direction you thought I was going to do. Uh, if you've ever been around my house, especially if you've been around my house around uh, the holidays, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, typically I'll have a puzzle set out, and um, usually, and if you've been over at my house, you know, during those times, a lot of you have even helped out with those puzzles, doing bits and pieces here and there. Um, I've got a picture up here uh, shortly that is probably one of my favorite puzzles that I've ever done. Uh, this is a puzzle that we picked up in Estes Park, Colorado over the summer, like last summer. Uh, the reason I don't do puzzles year-round, why I only do them at the holidays, is that uh, I tend to get really, really focused on them, and I don't focus on other things, and it's not good for my life to be focused on those. So I only do a puzzle maybe once or twice a year, typically around the holidays. So we bought this in like June or July or something like that. I waited until November to do this puzzle, and it was sitting there on my shelves, and I, I was kind of excited to do it. It's about three feet wide, about a foot high, a little over. Um, but yeah, this is my favorite puzzle. It's the second hardest puzzle that I've ever done. The hardest puzzle uh, was this puzzle of Elvis. That was a giant puzzle. It wasn't mine, but some friends had this giant puzzle of Elvis. It was a, a big picture of him, and then all the individual pieces were sub pictures of him, so that when you looked at the little piece, you just saw Elvis. When you looked, and you're supposed to look at the big piece, and you see Elvis. And I didn't like that because. <laughs> You can't, like for me, I look at a puzzle, I'm like, okay, I see this piece, it matches up to the, the colors on the, the you know, you, you always get the little sheet in there that says this is what the puzzle's supposed to look like. You know, you pick up the piece, you're like, oh, okay, I, I see exactly where this is supposed to go, and here's where it is. With the Elvis puzzle, I wasn't able to do that. So, I, you know, I think I got, I spent like maybe an hour looking at that thing once, and I got like one piece. It was not very satisfying. The reason I like this puzzle, though, is if we zoom in on that, that the bottom left corner of the puzzle, this is the way that puzzle goes together. It's one of those where, like, bits and pieces, it, it may take five or six different pieces to all make a solid connection on it. But the pictures are all still the same. You can still look at it and be like, okay, I know about where this goes. You just may not be able to see how it all connects together. So, I like puzzles. The other thing I want you to know about me is that when I was a new believer or a young believer, I did not like the Old Testament of the Bible. I, at one point, I actually remember saying, I'm just not going to read it. I don't like it. It makes no sense to me. The New Testament makes sense to me. It's God saying, hey, there's these people down here. I love them so much that I'm going to die for them. I'm going to have this relationship with them. And then we see like the interaction between God and man and just like, like God wants us to live better lives. He wants us to, you know, it just, it all makes sense in my head. It's like, that's a beautiful thing. But the Old Testament, when I'm looking at the Old Testament, I see things like the, the flood where God's like, I'm going to wipe out every single person except for like this one family. Or we see Sodom and Gomorrah where he's wiping out entire cities. We see 
Um, like even some of the characters that God chooses to use, you know, I'm thinking of like Jacob, who is, he's a, a liar, a thief, a cheat, you know, he's, he's kind of like, if he was a person that I were meeting, like, you know, just walking up to in the street, I'd be like, you're not that nice of a guy. And yet that's one of the main characters. He's literally the, uh, the founder of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's like, the, he's a major portion of it. Um, and the list goes on and on. I mean, there's like, you know, he, he, God wipes out entire families in the, the desert with the Israelites. He w- wipes out, you know, the firstborn of every child. Um, I, it, you know, just as you read through the Old Testament, it's just pain and destruction and like, it's just not fun. So as a kid, I was like, or as a, a young adult, I was like, I'm just not going to read it. I don't like it. Why is that here? I don't get it. Uh, but here's the thing. There are times uh, when you're working on a puzzle that it takes multiple pieces to all come together to start seeing the slightly bigger piece. So if you remember that puzzle that I had up there, there's like a, a puzzle piece that's the picnic table, and there's a piece that's the bear, and there's a piece that's the, the tree. And as you start putting the pieces together, you see, okay, these are these all kind of combine together to be this part of the puzzle, and this combines to be this part of the puzzle. And as you combine the bigger parts, you gradually see the overarching thing. Um, the Bible is very much the same way, isn't that if you try to look at just some of the individual pieces, some of them are kind of ugly, and they're kind of painful, and they're just not very fun to, to look at. It's like, you know, even in that puzzle, there's some of those pieces where you're like, yeah, this color, I don't like that color, it's kind of an ugly color. But when you put it together with the whole piece, you're just like, oh, here's how that all works together, here's how that all goes together. So... The Bible as a whole is kind of like a puzzle in that when you look at the individual pieces, some of them are not, not something that we as humans are like, oh, I like that. Some of the things pieces are, as humans, it's really painful to look at. But when we start combining it with the, the bigger pieces and the bigger pieces, um, we can see the, the overarching plan of the Bible and see the overarching work of God in earth and um, it's just a beautiful thing when we actually start seeing the, the whole piece together. So my first um, point that I want you guys to learn today, and this isn't directly from our passage, um, is that we should know the big picture of the Bible. Uh, so let's talk about it a little bit. Um, we're just going to go, you know, like the, the, the grand puzzle piece. What is, when we're looking at the big picture, the big puzzle combined together, what do we see with the Bible? Uh, so we're going to look at Genesis one twenty six real quick. That's uh, God saying, "Let us make human beings in our image to be like us." Um, and that's we talked about that in Genesis when we went through Genesis a while ago. Um, but this whole idea of being in our image, um, being like us, God is this holy and perfect being, and He made us to be holy and perfect beings. And we see in the the Garden of Eden that humanity interacted with God on a regular basis, and we see that that's that's what God's ultimate goal for us as humans is to be, is to have this relationship with God. Um, But Adam and Eve, unfortunately, sinned, and we talk about sin at this church as being something that we say, think, or do that goes against who God is. Um, And when you think about that definition, it's really quite powerful. So we're, sin is the things that we do that go against who God is in his very core, in his very nature. In essence, we're saying the pieces of you that are you, that make you holy and make you perfect, that make you loving and kind, and make that, that are everything good about God, when we sin, we are directly saying, I don't want a part of that. 
And as a result of the first sin, we see in Romans that you know, all men have sinned as um, by, the, by one man sin entered the world, and through all that, everyone sins. Um, we all sin, unfortunately. It is all something that we do. And the wages of sin is death. Um, the Old Testament um, is the story of how God interacts with humanity uh, when he is holy and we are not. Um, he, the, the, the big picture of the Old Testament is God says, okay, if you guys had this relationship with me and you said, I don't want any part of that, what can we do moving forward? And God's like, I've got a plan, but let's see how you guys can do with that. And so in the Old Testament, what we see is lots of pain and destruction, yes, but we also see God saying, okay, in order to have a perfect relationship with me, a long-term relationship with me, here is how you would have to live. And he sets down rules that are impossible to meet, but they're the rules that would require us to live holy and perfect lives on our own without any sort of intervention from God. And what we see is nobody does it at all. There is absolutely nobody that, that makes it. Um, and as a result, sin and death and, and all the miserable things that we see are the natural results, results of that. Um, I think one of the key pieces for me is when we look at Genesis 6, um, verse 5, when we're talking about the flood, I, I mentioned the flood is one of the, the painful things. I'm like, there's kids that were, you know, like, it, it was just everybody. Like, they all died. And it's just such a terrible, terrible thing in my mind. But let's look at Genesis 6, uh, verse 5. Um, it says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was constant, consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And I think when we see that little piece combined with the bigger piece of the flood, we see kind of that, that overarching view of the Bible. We see that overarching view of, of what God wants. Um, God didn't just go around randomly saying this person or that person needs to die. It was at a point where, what does it say? It says, everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So what we see is when these points, like Sodom and Gomorrah, we see the points throughout the whole Bible is where God's like, if there was any chance of redemption left with these people, he would take it and he would give it to them. We see with Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah that like, if there's even like 10 people in these two cities, uh, these giant metropolises in the time, if there were even 10 people that were righteous, God would have been like, no, we're going to hold off on destroying them. But he couldn't find anybody in these locations. During the flood, every thought that these people had was continually evil, and it broke his heart. But as opposed to letting that sin pervade and the sin continue, God's like, I'm going to wipe these people out so that that sin doesn't continue to affect humanity and that everybody would then have the consequences of that sin. Um, like I said earlier, the biggest um, piece or a bigger piece of the puzzle is spelled out in Romans 3.23. It says that for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Um, there's no one who's good. Uh, but God still seeks that relationship um, with us and is willing to use even sinful people in his goals. I mentioned Jacob earlier. And for me, it's like, why would God use somebody like that? 
But the thing is, we're all like that. There's no one who does good. We're all like Jacob. We're all like these people that, like, if it was up to me, um, from God's perspective, God would be like, there's nobody there that is worth me using. And yet God still chooses sinful, imperfect beings who are fail on a regular basis and continue to reject him to say, I'm going to use you for something great and something glorious. And so when we're looking at the Bible through, through the big picture, we see God doesn't like it when you know, there's all the sin and destruction and terribleness. It breaks his heart. And God chooses to use people that have rejected him to accomplish his goals. And it it's actually is a beautiful thing uh, when you start looking at the big picture of the Old Testament. So what I don't like about the Old Testament is the same things that God doesn't like. And the Old Testament shows that we can't fix a relationship with God on our own, and it breaks his heart. So much so that he sent his son, Jesus, to take the punishment. So Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. When we see that very blatantly in the Old Testament. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here is kind of one of the big mind-blowing things when it comes to the big picture of the Bible. When we look at the Old Testament, we see death and destruction. When we look at the New Testament, that same death and destruction is still there. When we look at our modern times, that same death and destruction is still there. It is all, like, everything that is bad in the Old Testament, everything that I don't like in the Old Testament, we still deserve all that. But all of that, when Jesus died, he says, instead of having that death and destruction applied to every single person out there, I'm going to take it all myself. And that is just the, the, one of the most beautiful things that, um, can, yeah, it's just so beautiful. Um, so all the consequences of my sin and your sin and the sin of everyone else in the New Testament was taken up by Jesus and covered by his death on the cross. Uh, God wants to have a relationship with you. Uh, what he wants is for you to repent of the things that you have done with, uh, which interfere with the relationship and become an imitator of Jesus. Um, so if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus the consequences are still there. Um, so if you don't have a relationship with him, I would love for you to say, today is the day where I'm going to repent of the sin that I've done in the past. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior and say, I want you to be responsible for all the sins and the bad things that I've done. And God, when you do that, says, I don't see the bad things in you anymore. I see that relationship that I want with you. And then as a result, he starts having that uh, communication and that relationship with you. Uh, we talked last week about communion, um, about how Jesus started it. You know, it was one of the questions they had. Uh, on the night of the first communion, Jesus talked about many different things. Um, and you can almost feel, as you read through John, you can almost feel the sense of urgency as Jesus tried to lead his disciples, or let his disciples know all the things that he wanted them to remember uh, as he was about to leave them. Um, including the fact that he wasn't planning on leaving them alone. So let's start reading in John. Um, John 14, uh, verse 15 says, If you love me, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. 
Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Uh, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other one with the name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not the world at large? And Jesus replied, All who love me will do as I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Uh, Going down to chapter 16, he's still talking to his disciples on the night before he's about to die. Uh, There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he received. Um, whatever he receives is from me. So when we look at the Bible as a completed picture, uh, we can see the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit was present at creation. Uh, he was present with the prophets and the messengers of God in the Old Testament. He was responsible for a collection of books uh, by many different authors over many different years, telling a story in many different pieces that all fit together in a cohesive love story between God and humanity. Uh, the Holy Spirit was present, uh, present in, the Holy, in the early church. Um, so one of my challenges for you today is uh, read back over 1 Corinthians and just see how many times is the Holy Spirit mentioned? And what is the Holy Spirit doing? Um, it kind of actually just changed, as, as I was preparing this um, sermon, I, was, I read through it and it really kind of blew my mind. And actually I've been reading in the Bible, uh, I started in John about the time I was preparing this, which is why we got a lot from John here. But the Holy Spirit is consistently mentioned throughout the New Testament, consistently mentioned throughout the Old Testament as this, this communication uh, between God and man. And what's cool is it is... God living with us, which has been the goal from the very beginning. He wants that relationship with you, and he gives us, if you are a believer, he gives you the Holy Spirit to be able to interact with you and to guide you and to teach you the things that you need to know. Uh, So let's look, uh, I don't have time to go over all of 1 Corinthians, um, but I do want to at least start in um, the beginning of 1 Corinthians, just kind of like lay the foundation just for this section of the puzzle um, as we're going into our, the chapter 12, or back into chapter 12. So 1 Corinthians 1.4, it says, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gift that he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. So you guys are believers, yay. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and all your knowledge. This confirms what I told you about Christ is true. Now, you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly await for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the second thing I want you to know today is that God gives the Holy Spirit to the followers of Jesus. So it's important to know the big picture of the Bible. It's also important to know that as believers, we all have the Holy Spirit. Uh, 
Uh, which brings us back uh, to where we were in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, we see that the local believers had a question over the Holy Spirit uh, and their works in the lives of the believers. So we're going to read back through that passage again, um, this time kind of focusing on what is the Holy Spirit doing. So now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Holy Spirit will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So as believers, the Holy Spirit is the sounding board, like we can, and we can see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like if somebody's out there going, I can't stand Jesus, I don't like Jesus, the Holy Spirit is not in that person. Like there's very clear signs of who it is. Uh, no one who can say Jesus is Lord, no one can say that Jesus is in charge of my life and that I want him to be uh, the Lord, the, 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 the one controlling my life, except for by the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but it's the same spirit that is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. So in our lives, we're going to see spiritual gifts, the gifts, the abilities that the spirit gives us. Um, now looking at the next section, we're going to find out that those are not always the same thing. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So what we see there is that every single person has some sort of special um, abilities, special gifts given by the Holy Spirit. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to one another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So the third point for today is that the Holy Spirit uh, gives believers special abilities. Um, if you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has given you some measure of spiritual gifts. Um, why? Verse 7 says, um, it's so that we can help one another. Um, so, God ensures that we, have, uh, that we all have a way to help each other out. Uh, we all have a way to build up the local church. There are some things that, um, that it mentions that I do want to emphasize. Um, these spiritual gifts are not something inherently great about yourself. Um, this is something that God is doing through you. Um, these gifts are not all the same. The gifts you have um, may not be the same gifts that someone else has around you. Um, growing up, I had multiple different sermons on this, and it was always focused on, hey, you might have this ability, or you might have that ability, you might have, um, you know, there's whole denominations that have been raised over this topic. Um, this is, you know, something that's a, a fairly complicated when we look at just the individual pieces of it. But I don't think that's really what Paul's trying to say here. And in fact, later down we can see in First uh, Peter, so a totally different apostle, says something like this, First uh, Peter 4, God has given each of you a gift from his great uh, variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have a gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have a gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. 
So I don't want to get bogged down on what your individual special, you know, special abilities are, what your um, gifts of the Spirit are. Uh, like I said, uh, that kind of thinking, I think, is what gets us random denominations being built up throughout the, the thing. It's, it's a, a divisive thing. And what I see here is God saying, hey, if you are a follower of me, I'm giving you that personal relationship with the Holy Spirit who will communicate with you on a daily basis. Jesus will intercede with you so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see the sin. And God is like, we're having this, this perfect relationship with you, with all three parts of the Trinity, all working together to have that relationship with you. And what you get out of this is some way to help people around you. And so kind of does a little introspection being like, well, it's really easy to say, hey, I don't, I don't really have anything that I can do or anything that I can bring to the church. I mean, there's, look at all these people. I mean, look at Brian up there. He's preaching. <laughs> this, this is not something that's, you know, like, you know, I spent a lot of work at this, but it's, this is not, like, I'm not a special person. I, there's not anything inherently great about me being able to get up here and do this. Um, and I think a large portion, I'm going to say that the Holy Spirit has definitely led me to, like, this is not how the sermon would have gone if I had written it, you know, on my own. Like, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit has definitely led me to say some of the things I've led to here today. But that's not on me. And it's not something that you guys don't have. Maybe it's not getting up front and talking, but, it, you know, are you, are you able to help one another? Are you able to build one another up? There's multiple different gifts, and we all have some sort of gift, and so as we go from here, I do want you to um, focus on, you know, what is the Holy Spirit doing in my life? What are, what are the um, manifestations of my relationship with Jesus, with God, with the Holy Spirit? How is that coming to light in my day-to-day actions, especially as I'm relating to other believers? Because it says we are to, it is to help build up the church, help work with the church. Um, I think there are some things that we can do or not do that will impact that. Um, if you're not reading your Bible, it's it's not good because um, you need to be able to like have those pieces of the puzzle in your head being reviewed daily or on a regular basis saying um, to, to know kind of how it all fits together. Um, are you praying on a regular basis? Are you actually communicating with God? Because um, I think when you're praying, not only are you asking God for something, but there's a point where you're saying, I want to have a communication with you. I want to have that, that, that um, connection with you. And I think God can use that through the Holy Spirit to communicate with you as well. There was a point fairly recently where I was at a, a youth group um, and we were having some sort of discussion, as, and it was with the boys, and the, those discussions can always be very interesting. <laughs> but I can't remember what was asked, and it was one of those like, oh, man, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that at all. But I'd literally been preparing for the sermon the night before. I'd read through 1 Corinthians the, literally the night before. And as a result of that conversation, I was like, wait a second. I just read something in 1 Corinthians that has something to do with this conversation that we're having right now. Now, if I hadn't been reading my Bible, if, um, then you know, I, I would be like, I, I don't know, that's a really good question. But, but because I had been reading my Bible, the Holy Spirit was able to say, Brian, do you remember that passage that you read? And I wasn't really paying attention to this passage. I was just kind of like skimming through, okay, what's the basics? What am I, you know, how does this all fit together in the puzzle of 1 Corinthians? What, you know, what is the, the overarching picture of 1 Corinthians? I wasn't really paying attention to this one section. 
But the Holy Spirit, the next day as I was dealing with the youth, was like, hey, Brian, do you remember that? And I was like, oh yeah, there was, I read something about that. And I had to sit there and be like, I don't remember where it was. So I sat there and was Googling, okay, 1 Corinthians, where does it talk about this? You know, like, because I, I wasn't really paying that close of attention. But because, you know, the Holy Spirit was like, hey, do this, I was able to Google it. And I was like, hey, this is a really, really good answer for the discussion that we're having right now. And that's what I want to encourage you guys, is if you're in your Bible, if you're praying, if you're, you're looking at ways to serve each other, if you're looking at ways to help each other, if you're looking at ways to be a church, be a unified body, that's when the Holy Spirit can do great things in your life. Um, so closing thoughts, um, I just want to ask again, what is the Holy Spirit doing in my life? Um, and is the Holy Spirit doing it, uh, things in my life? Um, what are, um, if not, what are, you know, why not? And uh, I want you to maybe just have some time of introspection and... Um, Maybe just some prayer and um, talking to God about that. Um, am I putting myself in situations where I can be used by the Holy Spirit? Um, so am I reading the Bible, spending regular time in prayer? If, if all you do is you come here to the service and be like, hey, I, I'm here for an hour or an hour and a half or however long Brian decides to speak today, and then go home... And don't do anything else with the church. Don't do anything else with the other believers. What, what is there? Because the Holy Spirit is specifically going to be used in situations where it's with other believers um, in your life. So I'm um, going to encourage you also to spend time with other believers um, and finding ways specifically to help them. Um, and then... Just as a uh, other, I want to once again, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't said, um, I want to follow him and have his life, I want to be an imitator of Christ. Um, so initially we were all in the image of God, that's how we were created, but sin broke that. We rejected that image and we said, oh, I don't want to be a part of that. If at any point in your life you've never said, I would like to be an imitator of Christ and follow him, and try to live a life as he would live it, then I want to encourage you to do that now. And I'm not going to say just because you've said a prayer that you're just there. Because being an imitator of Christ is something that happens on a daily, regular basis. You can make the commitment, um, but it's a lifelong um, following of Jesus. Um, so, yeah, just... Hopefully you guys got a little bit of an idea of just the, the overarching view of the Bible, um, just how beautiful it is. So like um, the Old Testament is not just a, an ugly thing. It's a, it is ugly in ways, but when you combine them together with God's um, connection with uh, all of humanity and just the, the way that he uses imperfect beings, um, hopefully you guys got just a little bit of an idea of that. And not only that, but just the Holy Spirit working in our lives and just uh, the way that that happens. Um, let's pray. Dear God, I want to thank you uh, for today. I just want to thank you for this um, group of believers and um, people that are here at church today. And I just want to confess that um, I don't always live a life that is uh, glorifying you. I'm not always a good imitator of you. Pray that um, I will be. Um, and I just pray that uh, we as a believers here in this congregation will be. And I just pray that as believers that we want to um, be used by the Holy Spirit, um, that if there is something you want us to do, just pray that you will guide us to do that. Um, I just pray that people will start to see the, 
the cool um, overarching view of the, the Bible. I want to see the cool overarching view of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible and just uh, how you've influenced uh, many, many people throughout all of history to accomplish your goal of, of bearing the pain and destruction of the Old Testament uh, that should still be brought upon us. Just thank you for loving us and dying on the cross for us um, and taking that. I can't, it's like I can't even imagine the weight of all that sin and pain and death um, in one, one instance. I just thank you for loving us that much. Um, so great. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.